What is going on, everybody? And welcome to this week's episode of the Two Cents Footy Podcast. My name is Akram McAllister, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts. Uh, let's start with Daniel Pike. I feel like we never start with Daniel. He always gets interrupted. So let's start with you, Daniel. How's it going? Oh, it's going surprisingly well um, in comparison to how your day's been, I'm sure. Um, yeah, and like you said, this is probably the first time I've been introduced without a... You don't know how my day's been. <laughs> well, I would hope it's been well, other than the obvious bad news. Is it bad news? Good, I mean, it's good news, brother. I thought it would be great news. Well, are you? you? Know? Though, the news I would argue is quite Pain is bad news for us, bro. I know, it's bad news for the, for, for the three of us, but for Zach, it should be something great, <laughs> something pure, something joyous. Uh, Madrid doesn't compete with United. Yeah. That's Europa yeah, League and, and we'll do the honors of introducing Hayden Anderson. Hmm? Oh, um, yeah, I, I wish I had a bell so I could ring it because we've received such joyous and holy news. Um, <laughs> but is it all hey, that man. holy? Is it all that joyous? I feel like there's some nuances that we should get into. But uh, let's, let's just pass this torch on to Luke. How are you doing, bro? Fantastic. From a, from a football perspective, Madrid clapped Granada. 4-1. Oh, wow. Our boy Vinny Such on the score sheet again. I know. This was a great weekend. Um, personal notes finishing tomorrow of the year, so it's going to be a quality day tomorrow. Nice, nice. But Luke, when did we ever care about your personal life? All we care about <laughs> is your football inside. So please it's keep for it my, the things that are relevant. It's <laughs> for my uh, Swedish friends out there, Norwegian friends that, yeah. are, that care a little bit more. Apart from his, his personal... Barcelona. Apart from his possible <laughs> career, you know, we haven't dealt much into, into <laughs> every week. So I'll give a little bit of personal insights. Only the OGs will remember uh, that reference. Yeah. But let's oh, not yes, dilly dally any, any longer. Uh, let's just, let's yeah. go straight to the piece yeah. of conversation on everyone's lips. Zach, give us your thoughts on the sacking of Oli. Now that Oli is off the wheel and Oli out has become a reality. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> He's off the wheel in Ollie the boot. Ollie is no longer on the wheel. Yeah, I, I mainly just wanted to speak about kind of the temperature, at least from my perspective of the sacking, because it's kind of different to at least the way I remember the sackings of Louis van Gaal and especially the sacking of uh, Jose Mourinho. Because with those sort of... Um, with those sackings, the... The fans' sort of reception was very, you know, bitter and sort of resentful mm. at, a, you know, what had happened to their mm. hallowed club. Whereas with Oli, it kind of just feels like, kind of just it, it kind of just feels sad, you know, because if you think about Oli, Oli is a club legend. I mean, he scored the goal that won us the Champions League in '99 against uh, Bayern Munich in extra time. Like, he's done so many amazing things for the club as a player. And when you look back at when he was appointed as a manager, like, you know, it was a pretty dark time for United fans. Uh, we just, like, come through the Jose Mourinho era. Um, like I said, like, fans were very bitter and resentful. And he kind of, like, shifted the whole mood. And in a way, he was the perfect appointment at the time. Like, it's weird to say that, but appointing Ole as the... Um, interim manager at the time was kind of perfect I just think that the mistake in this whole situation was allowing him or appointing him to 
to be the um, full-time manager because as we've seen he's clearly just the job was clearly too big for him he was out of his depth mm. yeah, so he's just not the right I kind of look back at the whole situation and yeah I'm not really mad I'm not really angry like it's kind of just sad that you know like this was this guy's dream probably like Ole probably dreamt about you know managing Manchester United, you know following in Sir Alex's footsteps, bringing glory back to the club, and it kind of just didn't work out that way. Mm. And I mean, it's always sad seeing someone lose their job. So, yeah, I'm, in a way, bed, I'm kind of excited about the future of Man United. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's he is. Like, joy, he's bro. pretty excited he's about the future, but not having to play under Ole. You know, I- but um. Yeah, I'm also kind of scared as well because I I, I yeah. don't trust this United board to make the right appointment. So yeah, the United that's board the other seems thing. to be highly problematic with just the way they approach many of the issues that have been plaguing United. Um, but one thing I do want to ask you, Zach, is we all know your feelings about Oli, and we've known what you have thought about Oli, wanting to keep him because there aren't really that many good managers out there, and we know obviously your comments now on the temperature around the club and on the sacking. But with the reality of the situation that the board has taken, what do you think about the whole process of keeping well of, of keeping the the actual backroom staff in place, the people the same people that were under that were under Ole and are arguably majorly responsible for the performances that that team has been dishing out, keeping them and making Carrick the interim coach until another interim coach is. Um, chosen to see out the the rest of the year. What do you what do you think about this this whole dynamic that's being determined by your board? It's definitely bold. It's definitely risky. The safe thing to do would be to get a Zidane but in. The question is, you know, right now. But I do think that they kind of. Wh- but I know everyone keeps yeah. saying, "Bring in Zidane, bring in Zidane." I've even said it. But I was speaking to a mate. Uh, we brought up some like good points about how Zidane is waiting for France and most of that Zidane doesn't even speak English and doesn't really seem as though he's ever been inclined to go to England and now that Conte has been snapped yeah. up and Zidane isn't really a, a realistic option who else is there on the footballing stage that could <laughs> even come in and be the permanent replacement it's the big Sam yeah, yeah this is, definitely no big names this is my point though. I was just using Zidane oh, as an yeah, example yeah. I was using Zidane as an example because, because the thing is, United, it looks like they're going to... The whole interim to interim thing is because there's so much of season still to play, having Carrick take over for the rest of the season mm-hmm. is probably not a good idea considering it's a huge risk that you're taking on someone who has never managed um, a top-flight club. So... I think getting an interim manager is a good thing and um, making sure that they're an interim manager and that you then reevaluate the situation after the end of the season is also a good thing. But I, it is a risk because if you make the wrong appointment in terms of an interim manager, mm. you're kind of wasting a year in which you spend a lot of money on some, you know... There, there are obviously some young players in the squad, but there are a lot of players who are in the prime of their career. You know, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo is probably in the latter end of that, if you can even call him in his prime. 
So there are a lot of players who you're kind of wasting their prime and it, it, in, in that way wasting money, which is an important thing for the Glazers, if you don't make the right interim appointment. I mean, they're probably not going to deliver a trophy this yeah. season. So you're better off trying to build something for the, the future thing? next yeah. season. Sorry to interrupt that, but like, isn't that the problematic thing here is bringing an interim manager right off the season and not bringing in somebody permanent because at your club, there are so many players who are going to run out of contract who want to leave. And if there's no permanent mm-hmm. vision from now in December and, and a permanent vision only comes in, in in May next year, that's too late. You need one now in, in December in order to, uh, to build a foundation and to ensure that there's some sort of security at the club to solve out and to solve the issues that exist right now. Mm, yeah, no, Hayden, I completely agree I mean, with you, bro. That's the, the kind of. Um, yeah, I was like, I was literally about to bring that up. That how can I say it? Having two kind of sessions worth of interim managers is basically writing off the season. And like Zach said, there's people on the 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 back end of their prime, um, also back end of their contracts. That that now rises up like the issue of who's staying, who's leaving, what happens to the club next year and if they don't do well at this end of this season you know who's who they're going to get in next season that's going to make up for that I don't think such a big club like United hasn't had this on their mind for quite a while bro like we've been speaking about Oli being in the hot seat for like weeks now you know and I don't think that this just be this surprised. one random Watford slapping is going to suddenly like this club. destroy <laughs> all the potential plans that they've had like I'm sure they've no, had no, under G's conversations and no, but you see, here's the thing, Luke. I think that it did. Because let's think about it logically. All the clubs that sat managers, sat them at the, uh, like, after the last game week, yeah. um, before like the beginning times. of the international <laughs> break. So because they yes. would have that, because all those managers would have time to come in and settle into the club. This yeah. sacking after the Watford game, by nature of it being after an international break, after the Watford game, is, an, mm. is a display of the desperation of the United board because in no way was this sacking ever supposed to happen even the plans of two interim managers doesn't really make sense when you think about it because if mm. your plan is to write off the season why not just allow Oli to see out the rest of the season though that being said I do understand why he would leave from a personal perspective of he is probably yeah. receiving so much hate and it's a toxic environment for him to be in as an individual maybe it is the best choice for him individually to leave but from a purely like professional perspective if you're going to write up the season just keep the guy there <laughs> was he did he leave like has he resigned or was he probably sacked like he was sacked so he can probably get paid out because okay. I think if he resigns okay. then he doesn't get all the benefits ah that's smart it's it gets labeled as mm. mutual consent like it, like it was a mutual agreement between the two so, so they've agreed that he leaves and then they still pay him which is essentially the same as him oh, being yeah. sacked but it's like so Hayden you think if Let's say if Watford had, if it was the other way around, like Watford had been beaten by United 4-1, things would be normal. Of course he wouldn't have left. <laughs> I mean, even if he had lost to Watford 2-1, and it wasn't a 4-1 drumming, then he probably yeah. would have stayed. But no manager no of a way. top-flight <laughs> club, of a Man United, yeah. a Liverpool, a Chelsea, a City, can a team that is touted at the beginning of the season as ending in the top four, can lose... Yeah five games in seven and then lose 4-1 to Watford 
I mean, if it's an anomaly, it's a different question. Like last season when yeah. uh, Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa, that's a different story because, I mean, first yeah. of all, you obviously had the injury considerations and it happened in a period <laughs> where Liverpool wasn't doing badly. It was just an anomaly. But this yeah. is a terrible result a on the back end of a series of terrible results. Hmm. Like, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how at the beginning of this... Also, funnily enough, just quickly, yeah, at the beginning of... Um, our podcast we put I even put United above Liverpool <laughs> like the homies yes. they finished second in the league like these these guys with especially with Varane and Sancho we were, like I'm pretty sure we're all convinced that these guys were going to have a really fantastic you season so I, I was convinced brother like but watching that Watford game Zach I don't know if you watched it I don't know if you should have watched it but that first half was like insanely bad like not even like Tottenham in the conf- conference league bad like really really bad bro and you've got these names that shouldn't be doing stuff like this you know I, like Ronaldo <laughs> Ronaldo, Ronaldo actually was probably the best like- <laughs> can we just stop for a second and can we appreciate that fact like I think it was it was really bad right watching there. that it was really bad watching that game bro like the the passing like just that it it, it, it it almost felt as though it wasn't even Ollie's fault it was the it was the players' fault which I definitely think there was a huge factor to that like everyone was uh, yes maybe it was uh, I don't think it, yeah I agree with you Hayden I don't think it was one of those anomalies but it was one of those extra bad game weeks where it's like everything is just bad nothing goes there's no luck in the game for your team the there's so much disconnect the flipping half time happened and then they they were good for like 10 20 minutes <laughs> and they went downhill again and then they scored again 3-1 and then they scored again 4-1 and I was like whoa this is bad brother like this is bad i'm sure you i'm sure you noticed that i mean it was just an awful performance all around um they i mean the performance mm. was really bad from majority of the players there are two things I just want to point out from that game. Except for Donny van der Beek. Exactly. That's the, that's one of the things. It's um, we, Mat- had, we had Matic, the, bro. the rise. Matic was horrendous. I've been saying this though. Like it's not it's not all news. Like I I don't know why the guy sold the club. Anyway, yeah, true. Uh, we had the arrival of Don Schill, um on Saturday. Uh, the combination of Donny van der Beek. Yeah. We have McFred. Now we have you know. Donny and Sancho uh, making Doncho. Uh, I thought they were unbelievable. Like I thought they were really good actually in you know the minutes they did play. And it's so funny because in that second half, like I just wanted the ball to go to Donny and Sancho every single time because they felt like the only players who could actually do anything. Like as soon as the ball went to any of the other players who would you know normally be playing for United, they would lose the ball, they would misplace a pass or do something stupid. Yeah. It was it, to me, it felt like all the players that would no, would not all the players that would normally play were like infected <laughs> with like oliitis or like yeah. like like it felt like yeah. <laughs> and then I think that's the name of the part. You heard it here first, gents. I'm gonna write yeah, on like that tomorrow. Sol Sol syndrome oh, yeah. or something. Coined, yeah. Like, it was crazy, and then you have the two <laughs> players who weren't getting minutes, and they come on and they play well. Like it was so clear. Like I don't know if there was anything to that, or you know, it was just they were really hungry and, and to try and like prove themselves something. Or maybe they're just really good players, which they are. But um, they they definitely stood out to me. 
um, in that second half. And a big reason why the second half was, you know, that's just that little bit better than the first half. And the other thing I want to talk about is David De Gea. And how I was thinking about this during, during the game. And how David De Gea is... In the post-match conference. Sorry? My man looked dead. He looked drained. In the post-match conference, David De Gea <laughs> just looked... He looked dumb, yeah, bro. Like, he looked distraught, traumatized. I think David De Gea is a perfectly average goalkeeper. And it's not because like he puts in like average performances. What? He puts in average Oof. performances every what? single week. No, no, no. Listen, yum, yum. It's because David De Gea is either is either Lev Yashin or Loris Karius, and then like they kind of, it kind of just meets in the middle. <laughs> no, come and on. And this happens like in between games. Like he changes personalities. That's, like I in games, I understand what you're like he'll pull about. off like an unbelievable save like <laughs> saving two penalties in a row and then we'll let in like the silliest no, goal penalties were terrible do not no i cannot stand here or sit here and listen to you say that those penalties were good <laughs> saves by the air those are mediocre saves at best those penalties were just taken horrendously and there was a the, I, I i swear horrendously i've ever seen in wow. my life <laughs> they were just so bad And it was the same penalty twice I'm sorry, I'm so sorry I went, no, This penalty just got me Yeah well sorry, continue, yeah, sir. Uh, Please forgive me Forgive the outburst Yeah that's what I pretty much wanted to say That We know. know what you're talking about though Like those last two goals Those last two goals were, un, were a little bit unfair man Like he really could have done more for those Like statistically he's probably been like the third best goalkeeper in the league so far this season um he saved the most post shot xg or the third most post shot xg but then like he lets in some absolute sitters like it get it like some of his you know mistakes are really <laughs> bad uh so yeah that, that's just my my opinion on david de Gea. oh there's a uh, well, Another rough weekend for the United boys. Like, I think we're, we're probably down in United, but I just wanted to... Um, I saw this interesting thing on Twitter, <laughs> where it's Oli's last Premier League win as Man United manager was against Nuno, whose last Premier League win as Tottenham manager was against Dean Smith, <laughs> whose last Premier League win as Aston Villa manager was against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But everything <laughs> came full circle. Damn, that's full circle for yep. you. Full circle. Anyway, wow. um, wow. only Dean Smith is still managing in the, in the Premier League. So who ended up winning? Well, we'll see how long that, that is for. <laughs> like, if Dean Smith is still managing the Premier League next season, <laughs> we'll see how long that then, lasts. I don't know. Then he deserves a manager of the year. Probably. <laughs> Pro- you know what? He, he probably does. Yes, yes. Um... That wasn't the only action oh, in the Premier oh. League, though. Uh, I don't really want to talk about Liverpool's win over Arsenal. I, I, I really don't want to, but I feel like it is our it was our duty as a podcast to mention it. So, Hayden, Sean what Hayden. happened? What happened is Ramsdale, after conceding four goals, was still an exceptional goalkeeper. I think he does deserve some praise. The man was amazing. He, he played really well. Yeah, jeez. Even though... I think, look, Liverpool played that game and they were spectacular. 
I think after having lost to West Ham, they really came back. They showed intent. I think there's been a change in Jurgen Klopp. I was talking to a friend as well about what, just about how Jurgen Klopp's jovial attitude seems to have dissipated. He's a lot more serious on the touchline. He gets a lot more aggressive. You saw that in the bus stuff between him and Arteta. <laughs> throw a hand, like Arteta. <laughs> Indeed, I think it just it shows that Both it's no longer games. It's, it's it's a, it's very much a zero sum game at. Uh, uh, at the top end of the table amongst uh, Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City you can't afford to drop points anymore because it doesn't look like it doesn't look like Chelsea's going to have a blip they probably will at some point but they don't look like dropping points but the actual game itself I think was a really interesting and good game to watch because Arsenal were in that game for a long uh, for a while actually uh, they didn't play terribly it's just that they made a lot of individual errors and they couldn't deal with the press in the second half they tried to play off from the back but I don't know if it's a personnel problem in Arsenal or if it's just that match in particular. But they just couldn't play out from the back. Yeah, t- uh, Tavares had a stinker. Them, mistakes. Yo. Yo, yeah. Dude, Tavares is scandalous, bro. I mean, Jota's goal is just something. Yo. I mean, the pass that led to that goal from, from whomever on, on Arsenal's side was just <laughs> yo. Was something terrible like that is something you only expect from Maguire. I mean, really. Oh, come mm. on. And Matich, bro, Matich. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't watch like the last 10 minutes of the game. I, I, was, I was traveling back home, so um, I was really tired and I fell asleep. Um, but yeah, um, by then Liverpool had already secured the victory, so I'm content. <laughs> <laughs> and a clean sheet with the boy TAA. What was what really interesting was Timikas. I think Timikas did well. Um, Timikas yeah. starting over yeah, Robertson. Yeah, he did, eh? Um, I do think Robertson is still our first choice left back. It's just that I think he does need a break. The man has probably played the most minutes for Liverpool over the last two seasons with him not having a decent uh, replacement or substitute option uh, for pretty much all of Jurgen Klopp's reign until this season. So I do think he <laughs> deserves a rest. But it's, no, it's good to know that Simikas is a fantastic backup. He had a good game. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, those are my two cents. Were his eyes tired? Always. Man looks more... Yes. He looks more tired than an entire med school uh, combined. <laughs> 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 the worse the bags, the better the game. Trust. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, they were great for my... I believe that's all... And then Steven Gerrard... the things um, yet again. Just, sorry, Zach. I just wanted to say Steven Gerrard is just... Marched Nobody into cares the about Premier League with a victory. Liverpool's doing, and he doesn't have quality. a Premier League uh, winners' medal. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. I can see you being salty here, but yeah, not all of a flicks the titles, okay, we bro. Forgive you. It's been rough. It's been rough for you. Yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a very. That's con- all I had to say about Madrid last season when we were asked, bro. Just how many how many UCLs do you? Have? Uh, uh, you know. Listen, Zach. Um, what was our um, what are our goal uh, predictions for last week? Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. okay, so I, I, I forgot who I said, but I, like it, this this week was a lot of goals. So, <laughs> oh oh, you better wish you for you're gonna wish you for you, you forgot, <laughs> okay uh, after I tell you, but um. So, how should we start this? Let's start with yeah, so um, Aiden. Points. Because Aiden yeah. did pick Mohamed Salah. 
It was wow. a big decision. It was a big decision. Difficult um, decision to make, eh? You yeah. just now, now we can't use Salah for the rest of <laughs> Well, you can't use Salah for the rest of the season so. now. So, you know, it was, he had to deliver and deliver, yeah. deliver he did. It was only one goal, though. So he receives one point, joining Luke and I mm-hmm. at one point. Um, so, yeah, Thank good you. decision, Hayden. Always well good. done. Um, I picked Harry Kane to score. <laughs> um, and the scores for Tottenham were Emil Hoiber and Sergio uh, Regulon. So, I, mean, I, no I, I don't know what, what Kane was doing in that game, Dan. Like, like how are like, your defensive midfielders and like defenders scoring? <laughs> Dude, it's, it was a game to watch. Like, you needed to, all, to watch it to believe for it. You guys. So I'm I'm still stuck on one point, and then Luke, you picked the man himself, Cristiano. <laughs> what? Did I really? And uh, wow. Okay, well he got an assist. So can I get a half point? Yeah, you, you had no faith in Watford. <laughs> well, that's not the game. That's um, so deep. So you're you're stuck on one point as well. So Hayden, Luke, and I are all on one point, and uh, Dan, can you remember who you picked? Yo, bro, did I pick Cornet? Was it someone else? No, no, no. You picked um, Pablo Fornals. <laughs> Fornals. Wasn't Pablo. that last week? Yeah. Last week for this week? Yeah, it was week. last week. Uh, I thought That's, it was the previous week for last yeah. week. Yeah. Okay, no, I must be on drugs. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, um, he did not. Did not get on the score sheet. I want to check. Did he? Did he play he this game? Pablo. Yes, I was about to say we. Okay, uh, we noticing a trend. Yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me see. Oh yes, he did play. <laughs> to be fair, he did play. So, um, our predictions for next week, though. Hmm. Um, let me see. Uh, the the order should be Dan, uh, Hayden, Luke, and then myself. So Dan, uh, I'm gonna need your pick first. Give me a chance to think, yeah. Right, uh, I've, I've got my. Pick. I'm wondering if I should go with a, with a, with a more obvious pick, you know, just 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 to get just to get a point going. You've been very left field so far. It I'm hasn't not line. I kind of want to keep that same energy though. You're partying the first week. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you got them both right though. We would have praised this oak like he's flipping seeing into the future. Um. <laughs> um Listen, I don't know, I've been such a Conor Gallagher fanboy for so long now, and just Crystal Palace is doing so well. So I'm gonna have to go with my car against Aston Villa. Nice. Did they get three goals against what was it, Burnley? See, you you, you don't trust Steven Gerrard's defense. No, not not of them. <laughs> not on, not in his second game now. Stevie G. <laughs> Crystal Palace look crazy. Mm. Shots. Yeah, so let's go with Conor Gallagher. Facts. Okay. Raul uh, Jimenez. The score oh. against Norwich. What a trash panda. Hayden with a sleeper. Sleeper pick. He scored this, he scored this game week. Interesting. Now I'm going to change my One goal. That's all I need. Change my mind. Not my problem, Luke. Um, were you gonna go with him? I was, I was literally looking at the, I was looking at the game wow. Wolves Norwich, but um, 
Maybe I'll save that for another week. Um, Seeing so as my boy Arsenal doing so well, they're on, a, on an absolute high. Um, they just lost. Let me put in. Let me put in. Aubameyang. <laughs> I'll be. <laughs> They're on an absolute high. Lost four goals to Liverpool. What's the, what are you on about? <laughs> absolute high. Fresher for four goals to feed. They weren't. They, they weren't. They weren't um, hoping for anything more, bro. But to be ahead of United is they on an all-time high. Trust. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like they, no matter what the outcome versus Liverpool, just being brought down. They're vibing, to bro. They're vibing. Being they were, they were, bro. They were at the bottom of the league. Now they're fifth. I think I would be stoked too. You know. It's it's a uh, it's relative, so I'm gonna go with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, my boy, who was once the Golden Boot, and That's now a great the shot. I'm not gonna lie, barely has a hairline anymore. It's like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. You and Hayden have both chosen like two of my oh, three oh, favorite oh. picks, so so that, that leaves. Trossard. Uh, the one other guy who I was thinking of, and that's... Yeah, I know. Now picked him, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamie Vardy against Watford. Wow. Oh, Jamie. Uh, my strategy for, like... My strategy for this entire thing is to just hunt all the games that, um, that involve Watford, Norwich, and Newcastle, because those three teams are terrible defending. I mean, we'll see with the new managers, but... Yeah, so you've got to hunt for... The teams that are playing against those three teams and just pick their big big striker. We'll see how long how long the strategy mm-hmm. lasts. But um yeah, Jamie Vardy. Another another big hitter for me, if I'm being honest. So I don't know. Hmm. We'll see how that works out. I guess we'll have to see. So just to recap, uh Dan is going with Connor Gallagher, who is will be playing Aston Villa at home. Hayden is going with uh Raul Jimenez. Who will be playing Norwich away? Raoul. Luke's going with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Yo! Who will be playing Newcastle at home, and then I've gone with oui, Jamie oui. Vardy, uh, who who will be playing uh, Watford at home. And that wraps up uh, the episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to uh, rate and review and give us five stars uh, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify. Um, go check out our YouTube channel. Uh, check out our TikTok absolute bands on there Um, the content's been a bit slow recently but uh, they will be coming back Uh, check out our Instagram check out our Twitter Um, I believe that's all anything else you guys want to say before we wrap things up no just have a good day I guess have a glorious week tell your grandmas Uh, yeah thank you all for listening cheers aight cheerio cheerio why are our endings always so awkward?